it's me again. <laughs> for those who are new, my name is Janine, and I've been with this church family for three years, about that. Not that I'm counting, but just in case you're wondering if I just blew in from the street or something. <laughs> they don't let you do that here. Anyway, they let you come. They don't let you get up here off the street. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to share a message with you this morning, which I've entitled Restore to Reveal. So have any of you ever watched um, one of those house renovation shows? Like anyone a fan of The Block or Fixer Upper? Any other favourites? Those sort of ones? Have you ever been amazed at how they sort of pick the most ordinary house or worse, the dilapidated house? and they restore it into something, they may restore it to its former glory or they may even restore it to something even more amazing. And uh, I just love how in those shows, at the end of the show, they have what's called a reveal where they actually show you what the new place looks like or the new room in some cases. Um, if you've ever watched Fixer Upra, the Joe and Chip who run that show, they actually put a picture of the old place before it was restored in front of the house on these big banners, so you can't even see it, and then they reveal it to reveal this amazing, amazing place. So I'm going to share a message today that God's put on my heart, that he, God wants to do the same for us. He takes the ordinary, <laughs> not all of us think of ourselves as ordinary, but I do, <laughs> ordinary um, sometimes a bit broken down things and he restores us into something beautiful that he wants to reveal, his sons and daughters. In, uh, next slide please Sam. In Romans 8:19, in the New International Version it says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now I, I don't know about you but when I first read that verse a few times I'm like, he wants to reveal me? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I feel a bit ordinary and I'm probably a little bit more familiar with my uh, not-so-good side parts and things that go on. <laughs> and I think, hmm, what could he possibly reveal? Um, but I, I believe that God, as I said, wants to uh, restore. He wants to reveal us, but as part of that, before that revelation, he restores and prepares us for that revelation uh, so that he can uh, reveal you uh, and bring glory to his name for his kingdom to come. For those of you who need a little bit of convincing, let's have a look at another verse. 1 Peter 5.10. It says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, we love that bit, he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation pretty encouraging isn't it so i like to think of it i was thinking about it and i was like so god when we save and choose you when we become a christian it's like you're buying the um, renovator's dream house so you know what we're you know everything about us you know what you're getting but you get you buy the renovator's dream house because you love to restore. So we know the word says that we are a new creation and that is true. Uh, there's a transition or a process to learn how to become that or what that means so that we can live in our identity 
as a son or a daughter. Now, the good news is he doesn't leave us on our own to work that out. (laughs) He sends Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us and he uh, lovingly counsels and guides and comforts and helps us find our way. I think sometimes I always apologise to the Holy Spirit. I say, you are very long-suffering, Holy Spirit. (laughs) But that's the beauty of Holy Spirit. He likes a challenge. Uh, And then I think of Jesus as he's like the master fixer-upper. He loves to restore. And that's his business. And if you don't believe me, in the Bible, he actually says that. So let's have a look. Now, I came across this really interesting interpretation from an Aramaic Bible, so I apologise ahead of time for all the purists in the room. You can go and look it up in your version later, but I just love the words, so I'll apologise later. (laughs) So in Luke 4.18, Jesus declares, He has sent me to heal broken hearts and to proclaim liberty to captives, vision to the blind and to restore the crushed with forgiveness. I just thought that was a very beautiful interpretation. Restore the crushed. And I just love the words heal, liberty, vision, restore. It's amazing. And that's what Jesus came to do. Now, what does restoration mean? If you go and Google online, as I love to do for words... (laughs) It's really interesting. God often, when I'm doing prophetic words, he'll give me some word and I'll be like, what on earth does that word mean? He goes, go look it up. And there's such a richness to words. Uh, But I went and looked up restoration and I got a few different variations of uh, meanings. So it has things like the art of restoring something to a satisfying state, like a chair maybe. The state of being restored to its former good condition or getting something back again. Now, the last one sort of resonated a bit because I think when most of us pray for restoration, uh, often it'll be things like, restore my finances, Lord, restore my relationships, Lord, restore my health. And we sort of think in terms of getting it back again. But I think God actually wants to do more than that. And uh, I came across a quote from another person. I didn't take down their name, so I apologise it's none of you, though. <laughs> um, and he said that if God, God's idea of restoration is, my children will receive back more than has been lost to the point where the final state is greater than the original, improved beyond measure. Wow, I'm going to hold on to that one. <laughs> now, um, he blesses people for their faith and the hardships that they walk through by making up their losses and giving them more than they had. And if you're not sure that that's the case, there is a few different Bible stories, a few characters in the Bible who we can see that in place. Uh, Let's think of people like Job, David, uh, Gideon, Moses. I could go on and on. There's a number of them. Um, I just want to stop and... uh, talk a little bit about Job. I won't spend a lot of time there, but I just want to talk about Job because he's a really good example of God's abundant restoration. So most of us um, who've read the Bible, who've um, pondered at uh, the book of Job, 
takes a while to get through, I don't know, John, do you think? You probably like Job, do you? <laughs> I don't know about you, but whenever I read the book of Job, it takes me a long time to get through it. I find it a little bit depressing, to be honest. It is fairly despairing in lots of ways. I actually did a Bible study on Job one time with a group of people, so it was actually quite rich. Anyway, I'll cut it to a, a short thing. So Job, um, if you can imagine, I'm going to paraphrase this, God and uh, the devil are in heaven and God says, have you ever met anyone as righteous as my Job, my friend Job? And the enemy's like, well, you know, if you weren't so good to him, he probably wouldn't be quite so faithful to you. I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) And God says, okay, game on. Have your way, but you're not allowed to kill him. Okay. Sadly, the enemy takes him uh, takes him his word and uh, um, as some of you will know, most of you will know if you've read the story of Job, he loses his children, his health, his wealth, even his wife tells him to uh, uh, curse God and die, so with friends like that, who needs enemies? <laughs> Let's face it. And then his friends who sort of gather around him at the beginning, who are quite encouraging for the first few days, then they suddenly turn into quite condemning and judgmental and, well, you know, you're suffering all these things because you must have done something really, really sinful to deserve this because that's what they'd been taught. But if you can wade your way through chapter 1 to chapter around chapter 42, you see that there is an ending that's better than poor Job who was in quite great despair by about that point. And we see uh, in Job 42.10... It says, when Job prayed for his friends, interesting, he had to pray for his friends before he got restored. Something to do with forgiveness, but I'm not going to go there today. <laughs> There's a whole sermon on that. <laughs> uh, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. And then in verse 12 it says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're like me and you've been walking a bit of a journey of restoration, we all are to different degrees, just different things. Um, None of us come to God perfect. (laughs) We wouldn't need Jesus if that was the case, would we? Oh, Holy Spirit. But yes, we do need them. So if you've walked or walked through a fire or a flood or a really difficult situation, stories like Job do give you hope especially when it's been a long journey and you've stayed in faith and prayed and uh, people have prophesied over you all amazing things and you're still walking through it and some days it doesn't look better, it actually looks worse. Stories like Job do give you hope because you know if God can do it for Job, God can do it for you. Now, I'm going to move away from Job and um, God reminded me of a TV show, a fixer-upper show that I saw uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, I apologise to those who have heard me speak about this once before. I did a testimony when I first came here and I shared a little bit about this. So you can have a little snooze if you like while I talk about this bit. <laughs> the rest of you can stay awake though, that would be nice. Um, so I was watching this show called Fixer Upper, which um, a couple by the name of Chip and Joe do. And normally what they do is they have a client who comes and says, I want X, Y, Z. So they go and find three different places that they could do up and then they take the client and they say, which one would you like us to do? So in this instance, Samuel, I'll get you to pop the slides up. 
they picked this place and they named it the little shack on the prairie. And it's looking pretty, uh, pretty uh, dilapidated would be the word I would use, a big word, but it's uh, pretty wrecked. And uh, believe it or not, they actually, the client actually chose it. Now, I will add the client worked with them and they knew what they were capable of. Just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> so they did choose this. I don't know about you, but I probably would have said, you know what, could you just cart that off on a truck somewhere and just start again? Because I'm not sure I really, really want you to do that. But um, and if you go to the, you can see on the inside as well, it's equally uh, needing some work, lots of work. So, Sam, if you want to take it onto the aftershot. That's an example of what it looked like on the outside and on the inside. And that's just one shot. There's many. You can go to their website and check it out. Now, if you're wondering why on earth am I showing you all these pictures, it's because after I finished watching this show, God said to me, whispered, that's just like you. And I went, what? <laughs> well, I'm like that dilapidated shack. He goes, well, that's where you started. And I said, okay, and the meaning, Lord. <laughs> and he goes, and I'm going to restore you just like that house. Actually, I'm going to do an even better job, an even more magnificent job than that. I went, go God. <laughs> it was more exciting than the shack bit, I can assure you. But, um, yeah, it's amazing when you watch these shows and you see this revealing. So, just like Fixer Upper, where does this leave you? Jesus comes in to do restoration work. And if you've ever watched any of those uh, shows, how many people like watching Demolition Day when they come in and they smash out walls and they uh, break cupboards down and they smash glass and they rip it all apart? Uh, sometimes, let's be honest, when God takes us through restoration, it can feel a bit like Demolition Day. And uh, that's because Jesus has to come in and gut out some things out of our life. Sometimes it'll be old mindsets or uh, sometimes it'll be strongholds like addictions. Uh, sometimes he'll even take people out of your life so that he can do the work he needs to do. And I don't mean take out as in, I mean remove. <laughs> it's not quite as dire as the Old Testament where, you know, he might take them out. This one, he just sort of, they just disappear. They just, I don't know, anyone relate? The people just are not there anymore. You're like, where do they all go? I knew there was something wrong with my deodorant. Oh, anyway, no. <laughs> uh, I, he likes to um, scrape away the old. So you can imagine him scraping paint away. He scrapes away the old trauma, the pain, the hurt. And he likes to remodel us and make us more and more like him. Okay, so then I was thinking about, well, what are some of the things he restores? As I said before, often we'll pray for things like finances and relationships and health, and they're all good things. There's nothing wrong with praying for those and asking for restoration there. But I, I personally, having walked a bit of a restoration journey for the last six or seven years, think God's priorities are actually in other places. It's not that he can't or won't restore those things. But I picked three things that I think that he uh, restores. I'm just going to get some water. 
I'm using my voice a bit this morning. Okay. So some of the God's priorities that I have um, seen, at least in my restoration journey, may be different for yours. But one of them is that he restores our identity in him, who we are to him, who he is to us. Because a lot of us come into that relationship as some Christian circles call orphans. I don't really like that word, but there's some truth to that. Uh, So we have to learn how to be sons and daughters, but also learn how to allow him to be a father to us. And that's a journey for many of us, Uh, especially... uh, if we have had trauma and broken relationships, it can take some time. I speak on my own story, at least. Uh, another area that he restores is the garden of our heart. Um, I spoke about that last time I was up here. But he uh, has to go in and garden and remove the lies in our heart, plant some new seeds of hope and growth. Uh, sometimes he'll have to take down walls in our heart that we've put up to protect ourselves because not only does it protect us from being hurt, it also stops his love getting through as well. And the last one that I thought of, um, which I probably think they're all important, but this one particularly uh, is he's restoring our relationship with him so that we can um, have an intimate relationship with him. And that's a journey of a lifetime, I think, learning to love and know him and uh, receive his love. Okay. So I was thinking about today, normally when I get up I talk a little bit about my own story, but today I thought I would take a different tact. And some of you who've heard my story go, phew, ah, it's pretty nasty stuff, that stuff. don't want to hear any more of that, so that's fine, I get it. So for the last six or seven years I've walked a pretty arduous inner healing journey from, for those who are new in the room, Uh, from some fairly serious childhood trauma and abuse and it's uh, an ongoing journey but in that I've uh, seen God restore and heal and comfort and uh, uh, bring things into my life a joy and a peace that um, I didn't have before definitely and I can attest that I have had many a demolition day days, weeks, (laughs) months, and if I didn't know God, I don't know, I I, I really, honestly, I pray for people who don't have God who have to walk the same sort of path of healing, because I don't know how they do it. God is there, though, I know that, so he's helping them, but they might just not be aware of it. Anyway, so he has uh, gone into, I I think of myself as a house, (laughs) so he has gone into my house and opened up many locked doors to let some light in, clean out the stuff that's not meant to be there, heal. He's, uh, as I said, knocked down some walls in my heart and he's painted new hope. Now, out of that journey I was thinking, God, what do you, I was asking God, what do you want me to share today? What would be helpful to people? Because I had this real sense that um, even though a lot of people can't relate to my particular story because it's not one they've walked, I know that there's people in the room who are perhaps struggling with finances, struggling with relationships, health, and some of you have been walking a journey for a long time. Wow. (laughs) It's about Holy Spirit all over that one. 
So I wanted to, I was reflecting with God, what have you taught me to help me walk through this restoration process with you that would help others fast track it as well? Because it has been a fast journey. (laughs) So um, I thought I would do uh, an acronym called RESTORE and we're going to go through one at a time. (laughs) And you don't have to memorise it because I think it's on the front of your newsletter so it's all good. So I'm going to start with R. Probably the most important, one of the most important things that um, I've learned, especially when I'm hurting or angry, is to run to God. Don't run away. Don't run to other things. Run to him. Now, if, you, if you're a bit disappointed or grumpy at God, he already knows that anyway, so you don't, <laughs> it's not like he's uh, uh, oblivious to that. Um, I have just found though, that he is my um, strength and he is my foundation. And I I guess I've been blessed that most times that's what I'll do first. Okay. So that's one thing I would encourage you to do. Um, Try to avoid isolating because that's when the enemy will really start hammering you. So that's, again, why I go to God because he can deal with all my grumpiness and my hurt and things um, and then he'll speak into that or just love on me or both <laughs> so R for run to him because intimacy is the key so keep it stay hungry and thirsty for him and if you're not feeling like it that's when you need to yeah so R for run E for endure now I did a whole sermon message on endure last year if you really want to know more about that go listen to it I think that one got recorded So that's good. (laughs) Um, So endure the hard stuff. So I had to face a lot of stuff I didn't want to face and I had to keep going back and doing more work, more work, more work, more healing, more healing. And there was times when I thought, oh, God, can I just have a rest, God? (laughs) I don't really want to do this. This hurts, like lots. Um, And, you know, I know there was times when when I was hurting so much that I actually said, God, could you just take me to heaven because I really don't want to deal with this pain anymore. This just hurts too much. Um, But he didn't answer that prayer, fortunately. Um, But endurance can sometimes be really hard. So um, be prepared to keep going. (laughs) Uh, Don't give up. And a key is to persevere. So it's just to keep trusting and hoping in God despite what you're seeing and feeling, which I know is not easy, and I'll be the first one to tell you that. But endurance is really, really important. So intimacy, running to him, and enduring, really good stuff. Hey, hey, next letter is S for stay, stay in his presence, and worship is one of the keys here. Now, when you're walking a, a difficult road, sometimes you won't actually feel like worshipping you will actually probably feel more like having a pity party and I've been there. (laughs) Fortunately, I don't stay there as long as I might have before. But uh, that's because God showed me that the enemy actually loves it when we have a pity party because he likes us to be down there having a pity party. And sometimes we feel like having one. I'm not saying don't have one, just don't stay there. Don't stay there. I know whenever I think the enemy likes it, I've got got to make him happy then, I'm I'm getting out of this. So stay in his presence, so stay under his wings and praise your way through those dark times, those difficult times 
And worship looks a lot in different ways. It may be singing, praising, worshipping. It can also be just being still and sitting in his presence and just letting him love on you and uh, strengthen you. And I've had to learn how to do that because I don't sit in peace or quiet very easily. (laughs) But I'm learning to. Sometimes it's sitting in prayer or reading his word. Uh, But more so it's just soaking in his presence. And you can be creative about that. It can be going out into nature, um, just being with him. And that is a real, real key. Okay, next letter is T for trust. Trusting in him, his way of restoration and his timing. (laughs) All of us would like uh, somebody like Joe and Chip to come in and do this magical restoration in a couple of weeks, that would be really good. But the real world doesn't happen that way. And uh, I know that I've actually asked God why he's taken so long. Couldn't you just have just made it all better straight away, Lord? Why did I have to wait 48 years before you started? And then why is it taking so long to go through this? You know what his answer was? Because it would have killed you if I'd done all that in one hit and I went good point <laughs> and the further along I get through the journey the more I realize he is actually right he knows the best way he knows which room needs to be open next he knows who he needs to bring in to support and encourage he knows when how he's got it all worked out so trusting him and I've even had to trust him in times when he has taken people like my counselor out of the picture for a while and I'm like what are you doing? <laughs> well, it's not always him, but I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I think sometimes God likes to, sometimes we can get very dependent on people, um, and that's not always a bad thing, but when we're going to them before God sometimes, I think sometimes he teaches us that actually you can live without them. I know you like to live with them <laughs> and you like to rely on them, but hey, I'm over here and I'm, I'm equally able to help you. So he has taught me to trust. And uh, some of us, uh, that's a harder journey than others. I haven't had a lot of people in my early part of my life who I could trust. So I've had to learn trust. And trust can also be just letting him direct your steps rather than making up your own plan all the time. Okay, we're getting there. <laughs> Oh, oh, for obey his promptings. And most people, the word obey has connotations of seriousness. So, But what I really mean here is uh, listen to his promptings and uh, follow through. Because uh, sometimes they don't always make sense uh, to us, especially when we've got our plan. <laughs> and... Uh, so sometimes we have to be prepared to do what he tells us, even if we don't understand it or we know it's going to hurt either us or others, not intentionally, of course. And uh, in my own case, um, the Lord cautioned me about having certain people in my life uh, and they were family, so I had to go to great lengths to um, put in some fairly strong legal boundaries to keep them out of my, my family's life, which was really, 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 really hard and hurt a lot. And I felt like the worst person in the world for doing it. But I look back now and know that if I had not 
trusted God with that and uh, listened to his prompting and, and was obedient to that, then I would not have experienced the healing and the restoration that I have to this day. And it doesn't mean that those relationships won't be restored and come back, but for now, they're not right. They're not the right. It's not what God needs to do what he needs to do. And I don't want him to take them out. <laughs> Sorry, let's just put that in there. Okay, uh, for reach out. Now, we know that we're never alone, that we have uh, God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Um, but he did make us for relationships. And it's really important when you're walking through the restoration journey not to isolate. I mentioned before why. One of the reasons is the enemy will get in your head and make you feel even worse. But also um, because um, sometimes we need flesh on. <laughs> I say that to God every now and then. I go, could you send me someone with flesh on, Lord? I, I love you and I really appreciate all you do for me. But I really need someone to give me a hug. Could you send someone with flesh on? <laughs> Not all the time, but just sometimes. I'll just say I need some flesh on. And, uh, yeah. So, it, it, but it requires a level of being real and being vulnerable and asking for support. And one of the best pieces of advice I got from a friend when I started this healing journey was, and she was walking a similar journey, was um, find about six people in your life that you know that you trust, that you know that you can ring up or text at any time of the day and they'll be there for you. And why six? So you don't wear one person out. <laughs> and uh, also, those people sometimes are walking their own road of things and they're not always um, have the space or the capacity to help you. So reaching out for support is really important. Um, it also, on the flip side of reaching out, is actually um, helping others even though you're walking through your own journey because sometimes we think, well, I'm just, I'm so wrecked walking my own journey, I can't give anything. But there's a number of times when in my own journey I've said to God, I don't feel like I can really give much but I'd pray, Lord, you know, I, you know, I might be going to church and I'd say, is there someone here today, God, if there's someone here today that I could pray for, or that I can uh, encourage, or that I could prophesy over, please lead me to them. And every time he would lead me to someone, sometimes more than one, just to pray and encourage, and I would be blessed because I felt like, you know, God had used me to bless someone else. So sometimes reaching out also means um, not just staying focused on ourselves, but reaching out to others and helping others in the midst of it, even when, you know, times are tough. And the God and Lord blesses that. Uh, then finally, <laughs> E, explore, explore with God. So, spending time with God and asking Him questions. Um, try to avoid that "why me" one because He doesn't generally answer that one. <laughs> My experience. Someone could prove me wrong, but uh, I've learned to ask things like. Lord, what do you want to be for me in this situation? Or what are you saying about this situation? Um, what is it that's causing me to respond this way or react this way? What's going on, Lord? And having those sort of really real conversations with God. Um, also going to his word and uh, encouraging ourselves by reading his word and reminding ourselves of his promises in there um, and 
there's many, you know, at times when I feel like everything looked really bad, felt really bad, I would have to recite things like, it would just come bubbling up because I'd spent some time in the Word. Do things like, either say, no, Lord, I know your plans are for a hope and a future to prosper me and not to harm me. And I would just declare it out loud. I'd have to convince myself, encourage myself, and I would use that because I knew that was his truth. Now, I have finished the acronym. I just want to ask, the word restore has another word in it. Can anyone pick what it is? Store is one. Oh, it's actually two, isn't it? There you go. Didn't look at that closely. Well done, you. Yes, rest is the one I was looking for, though. <laughs> now all the wordsmiths are coming out and they're, uh, they're doing their word. They've got to get all the words out of the word. The word I was looking for was rest. And, I, and that's the one that the Lord's uh, been teaching me. And uh, it doesn't come easily. It's getting easier. But it's resting. What do I mean by rest? So... It's resting in his love and his plans, his goodness, his grace, his care, his power, his wisdom, his commitment. And I could go on and on. And I think rest is one of those highest forms of trust. So most of us think of rest as, well, okay, I'm just going to go and lie on the couch, watch a bit of Netflix, or go have a sleep, or take a holiday. Now, rest... Uh, or a sickie. <laughs> physical rest is fine. I'm, there's nothing wrong with physical rest. And for some of us who are doers, and I, I uh, used to be a workaholic, so doing was my middle name. Not anymore. Um, rest, that type of rest probably is a good thing because well, it stopped long enough for the next bit. But for me, the rest is more of a trust, a deep trust that God has got you that you know, that you know, that you know, doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what it feels like, he has got you. And that he knows what to do. And that you don't have to carry that by yourself and you do not have to have all the answers. Which is a good thing because I don't have any answers, I've decided. <laughs> God does though. He is my answer. That's why I say, well, you're my answer, Lord. Because it's his grace that carries you and he's doing the restoration. So he knows what's needed. And I think, yeah, we're human, so sometimes we really struggle with the rest concept. And sometimes it's from, like in my own journey, it's because um, I'm learning to trust that God does really want to help me and does really love me and does really um, is going to honour those promises. Why? Because I've grown up with people who have done the opposite of what they've said. Um, and it's hard when you're a human not to think all relationships, even the one with God, uh, is the same, but he's not. And that's what he is teaching us as a son or a daughter, that he can be trusted so we can rest in that. And even when we're really weak, he is our strength. And one of um, a Bible verse, go to the next slide, please, Sam, um, that I had a mentor give me at the beginning of my healing journey and it stuck with me to remind me of rest and when I got it I was still very much in the workaholic mode so I didn't appreciate it at the time. <laughs> rest? It's the rest? 
but it says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So those times when I might be feeling a bit anxious or thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? This is awful, all those things. We all have those moments if we're honest. It's about going, no, I'm going to give it to God. I cast my cares on you because you care for me. And it's resting in that and trusting in that, even when it doesn't change immediately. And he brings a peace with that, this incredible peace. So rest in the restoration process. Rest in his arms, in his presence. Rest in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And trust that he will lead you and guide you. And that he's working even when it doesn't look like it. And he will reveal you as his son and daughter for the world to see his glory through you. And for those of you who are still struggling with that whole concept like I do from time to time, one of my favourite verses um, to encourage me is Ephesians 3.20. If you want to pop that up, Samuel. Thanks. It's coming. (laughs) Um, It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us. I love the words immeasurably more, like beyond what I could ever plan or think. That's why I say, I don't have any answers, Lord. I'll, have, I'll take yours, thanks. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't some days. And his power that is at work within us is just the reminder that we don't have to strive, that he, his Holy Spirit, his wonderful Holy Spirit is at work. And sometimes it's at a very deep level that we don't understand. Okay. So when I was preparing for this message, I just really sensed that God wanted to minister with a song at the end. And I'm going to invite Imi and Ryan up again. But I just wanted to finish um, by saying that um, God is our God of miracles and uh, often we think of miracles as these instantaneous, fast things, you know, like instant healings or, you know, instant, I don't know, uh, feathers falling from the sky or all sorts of other things. We often think in terms of immediately, and we live in a society where everything has to be instant or fast, doesn't it? We get grumpy if we have to wait. But restoration is a, is a miracle too. It might take a little while, but it's another one of God's miracles. And uh, so I'm going to encourage you. um, We're going to sing God of Miracles together. Um, You can either um, just rest in his presence and just soak in the words of the song. If you want to stand and sing, you can do that. We'll put the words up for you. Whatever you want to do this morning. I just had a real sense that God wanted to minister to people in the room with this song and I also had a sense that 
There are people who have been walking journeys that have been going for a long time. And a sense that you're wondering, where is God in all this? Why haven't I seen anything change? And he wants to speak to you particularly this morning. Okay. And if anyone would like some prayer afterwards, after we finish the song, I'll be uh, loitering around the front or you can grab one of your other people near you and ask them to pray with you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Let faith arise In spite of what I see, Lord, I believe But help my unbelief, I choose to trust you No matter what I feel, let faith arise Let faith arise For my champion's not dead He is alive Oh, and he already knows My every need Surely he will come and rescue 